0: Good evening, Reckless. How are we? Are we good? Yeah. All right. Well, like Todd said, my name is Christy and I work here at Westridge and I have for 11 years. And tonight I get to introduce the new series called Encounters. And we get to talk about a very cool story called the woman at the well. Has anyone heard that story? It's okay if you haven't. Okay, it's cool, I'm gonna explain it to you and you're gonna know it so well. So tonight we're gonna be talking about this story and all through this series, we're gonna be talking about people who have encountered Jesus and they were never the same again. And so the gist of tonight, and I'm gonna probably say this a couple times and you'll probably hear the other speakers throughout the series say something similar to this, but the whole gist of it is that there is nothing that you have done that can keep you from an encounter with Jesus. He is full of love and forgiveness, grace, and life. And so this story that we're going to focus on tonight comes from John 4. And everything that we are talking about tonight is straight from the Bible. I'm going to add in a couple of my own personal stories and a couple personal thoughts. But all the verses straight from the Bible. And I just wanted to share with you something that Westridge, Um, believes about the Bible and we have this actually on our website and it says, at Westridge we believe that the Bible is God's word to all people and because it is inspired by God it is the truth and it is without error. And so we're gonna read this story. We know that it is a straight encounter. This is an encounter that John is recording and so if you do have your Bibles, it's John 4 but I'm pretty sure we're gonna have all of the verses up on the screen so let's just jump right in. And I'm going to start with John 4. I'm just going to read a couple verses and then pull out a point that I think God has for us. And we're going to do that four times. It's going to be easy, simple, easy to follow. Okay, verse 4 through 9 says this. He, meaning Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way. So he and the disciples, time out, I should have said this first. He and the disciples um, had been ministering and they are back on their way to Judea. Okay. So here we are. He, Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. If you ever wanna go back and kind of research all of the things that happened at this well in the Bible, it'll be very interesting, but Todd has not given me that much time. So this is considered Jacob's well. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well, and it was about noon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So we're going to get right to the first point. The first point is that God will find a way to intersect, intersect his path with our path. And he chooses very unique ways to do so. The path Jesus took through Samaria was definitely the shortest path, but because Jews and Samaritans didn't mix well, it's normally the path that a Jew would never take. They would never actually go through Samaria. And so that in itself was interesting, and it speaks to the point that God is going to intersect wherever he wants to in our lives, and he did so for this woman. So the verse actually reads, he needed to go through Samaria but I read a lot of research on this to prepare for tonight. And it may say that, but I think that he chose that because he knew that he needed to have an intersection, an encounter with this woman. And that day when Jesus went through Samaria, he went for a purpose. He knew who he was gonna meet at that well, this woman, the Samarian woman, and he was gonna have this interaction that we're gonna keep talking about. And I wanna tell you a quick story When I was 27, which was a little bit ago, um, I had the opportunity, I had lived in Kansas City, Um, in the Midwest, and I had the opportunity to travel all the way to Africa in the country of Mozambique. And I got to spend two months there. The church that I was a part of in Kansas City had an opportunity to go into this home that took in orphan children and care for them. And so the team from my church, when we did this, we actually got to give all of the workers who helped take care of the children a two-week vacation, which was really unheard of for them. They actually kind of felt like they were losing their jobs because they were getting paid they were asked to leave and we took over for two weeks and then i ended up staying for two months and so i had this awesome experience i was kind of going there like god i have a heart for this i want to learn more about it um will you show me if this is the path you have for me longer than just the two months that was kind of what i was going asking him but it was on my way back that God seriously wanted to have an encounter with me and to intersect at a very unique path. So on my way home, I flew from South Africa all the way up to Amsterdam. When I got to Amsterdam, I found out that my flight was canceled and all it said on the board was canceled two days. So for two days, I hung out in Amsterdam by myself. So I only hung out in the hotel because I was totally freaked out. And... um, I was frustrated. I was like, I just want to go home. But my plan had been to instead of go home to Kansas City, I was going through Atlanta to visit some friends. Those friends happened to be from Westridge Church. I had never heard of Westridge Church. And I tried to get out of it. I tried to be like, forget Atlanta. I got stuck in Amsterdam. I want to go straight home to Kansas City. And it was like a million dollars. So I was like, Atlanta it is. And I remember in that moment feeling like, there was a purpose, but I didn't think too much into that. I probably, knowing myself at that age, I probably thought I was gonna like maybe meet a cool guy in Atlanta or something like that. And so I came to Atlanta and I visited my friends and it was at that time that this person at Westridge had told me about a job that was opening here at the church in student ministry, that is where I started. And I was super cold to it. I was like, I don't wanna live in the South, I had a thing about living in the South, mostly because I don't like to be hot for that many months out of the year. And um, I was like, I don't ever want to work at a church. That was like my thing. I don't want to live in the South and I don't want to work at a church. Be careful what you say to God. So he intersected me in a way during that month in 2008 when I was 27 years old. He did a, a really cool work in my life while I was in Africa, but it's so unique that he chose that on my way home, he would show me the thing that he was actually calling me to do. And so I don't know where you're at tonight, but maybe you feel like, does God see me here? Does he know the things of my heart, what I really wanna do? And also, are we open to those things? And so that happened when I was 27, and now I have been here for 11 years, so you do the math. And I got married 10 years ago, almost, to my awesome husband, Mark. And so God used this for far more than I could ever imagine. And the cool thing is, is that God has used this church to grow me in ways that I could not have ever imagined. And so his way is the best way. And when he chooses to have those encounters with us, we have to trust that. So on that day in Samaria, God knew exactly why he traveled the road that he did. He had something that this woman needed to hear. He had not just water because they were at a well, but he actually had what this text will refer to in just a moment. He had living water. And so we'll come back to that. God wants to intersect his path with yours, and he will do so in the most unique ways. So get ready. Okay, I'm going to reread the last couple verses that we had just talked about verses seven through nine, just so we're remembering where we're at. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Point number two. Jesus places huge value on women. And I think that in this story, he's using a a woman here for a purpose. And there's gonna be other stories throughout this series where he uses men and there's a purpose in that. And so what I really wanna talk to the girls for a minute, but I don't want the guys to tune out because I want the guys to really hear the way that God values women. And I want you all to hear that. Uh, together. And so, um, while I was studying for tonight, I kind of stuck to one resource and one commentary, and this is some of what I learned. So women usually come to draw water at the well all together and in the morning when it's not as hot. So if you'll notice, this text actually said it was noontime, so it was super, super hot. And so Jesus was there first, and and she walks up. Um, So here is this woman, she's about to have this encounter with Jesus. She's noticing that she knows that he's Jewish, she knows that she's a Samaritan woman and that that doesn't usually mix. So the commentary goes on to say that traditionally, a rabbi or teacher would not converse with a woman in public at all, not even their wife. And so that's a cultural thing, we're not gonna get stuck on that for any uh, purpose or any amount of time. So Jesus' request was a genuine surprise to this woman at the well. And um, in my research, it also said that she was most likely impressed by the friendliness of Jesus because if a, a man didn't typically talk to a woman in public, imagine having a whole entire conversation that was actually quite pleasant. So she was really taken back. So for the girls in the room tonight, I want you to hear this point because you need to know that God sees you and he loves you. And he has a plan for you and he most certainly wants to have an encounter with you. And in this story, we see this woman and that isn't a mistake. And so I really want you to to pick up on that and draw from that this example. So this story involves a woman on purpose so that we might see that although culturally nothing about the story should have happened so far, he made a way to encounter her and to have their paths cross over. And how unique is it that she was there by herself and he was there by himself. And so just going back to my story for a second, not only did God call me to Westridge, but every person that I have fallen under, I've been on a couple different teams here over my 11 years, every person that he has put me under has helped to draw out the gifting that God gave me and they have given me a space for it. And so what I really would love for girls to hear tonight is that God has uniquely gifted you too. And there is a space for you to use that gifting. And I want you to remember that as you move through high school and you get more and more impressed on your heart, the thing that you feel like God is calling you to do. And as you recognize what that gifting is, step into that knowing that God had you in mind when he gave you that specific gift. And nothing that you have done can keep you from that special encounter with Jesus. Okay, our next group of verses is 10 through 15, and they go like this. Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to. So she has no clue who he is. You would ask me and I would give you living water. So here's this term, living water. We're going to talk about it. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. So she's stuck on the fact that there's a well and a water and you're empty handed. That's like she can just only see it for what it is. And then it goes on to say, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, going back to Jacob's well, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his and that his animals enjoyed. And verse 13 says, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And then she says, please sir, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. So point number three is that God's way is perfect. So being that she is by herself and coming to the well at a time that she wouldn't normally come, she's coming in the middle of the day when it's hot, she was maybe distraught. She was thinking of things. We'll find out later in the text that she was a little bit more of an outcast. Um, She didn't have a lot of friends. Um, You're about to find out a couple things about the way she lived her life. So it was probably some of that. And so um, God's way is perfect. And these verses— um. is not exactly picking up, like, she's, she's, like, a little confused. She's, like, she's stuck on water, like, regular old water, um, so she's not picking up. You know what? He's laying down, and the Samaritan woman was after water, possibly. Um, maybe she just was stuck in her thoughts, and she was going for a walk. Um, most likely, because she was there alone, which was highly unusual, um, you know, she just was thinking about her life, but God knew that she would end up there all by herself. And so, this commentary that I read that really speaks to the living water. Um, the part of the verse where it says, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. So what that really is saying is, it's common for people to try and satisfy their God-created inner thirst through many things, but only what Jesus gives satisfies to the deepest levels of our soul and our spirit. So that's what this resource is telling us. And really what living water is, it's what God offers. We often wanna fill that inner thirst with other things, the things of this world, um, and, you know, when you try and do that after a certain point, that just doesn't fly anymore. It just doesn't work anymore. And so in the beginning, we talked about how this message and this series is about the love and the forgiveness and the grace and the life that Jesus offers. And that is the living water. And the way that we feed that inner part is the way that we spend, like, once we know Jesus, it's just like You, in a relationship with a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know them better because of the time you spend with them. And so the way that I'm going to quench that inner thirst that I have, that nothing of this world can actually quench, is by really looking at my life with Jesus and how I grow. And so spending time with him, reading his word, praying, you coming to Reckless into church here on Sunday, that's feeding that inner thirst that you have because you're learning more about Jesus. And I wanted to really um, just have you guys think this one way. So you may be somebody who's like, I love the Bible. I read the Bible. I believe it. But I don't crave it. And so I want to encourage you that if you don't crave the word yet, that is possible. And for one, I would just ask God for that. God, would you give me the desire for your word? Um, and he will really hear you. And then I would say start small. Is Are there a couple passages? Um, your small group leader would be a great person to kind of get you started on something and read a couple a day. And that will grow because... As you read, you're going to learn more and more about who he is, and it's going to make you excited, and you're going to want to share that with other people. Um, so if you are not in that place of craving it, that is possible. So those are the, that's all the kind of thing that living water really is about. Um, our next section, John 4, 16 through 18. And it says, so, okay, let's remember where we're at. Jesus and the woman at the well... And he's trying to help her understand like what he is really about. And it says, "'Go and get your husband,' Jesus told her. And she said, "'I don't have a husband.'" And Jesus said, "'You're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth.'" So, okay, Jesus getting right to the point, you know? And so he needs, he needs this girl to figure out like what he's all about. So he's gonna be like, I'm just gonna name some things about you and it's gonna, it's gonna start connecting. So here's something I wanna point out that God reminded me of today. And I don't have a slide for it because I thought of it just a couple hours ago. Um, but we are designed to have people walking with us. And what Jesus did is he pointed out something that wasn't of him. And he wanted her to recognize that. And you guys have a gift in having a small group at this church. Because in that small group setting, you have an adult who cares about you and you have these people in your group who are walking this life with you. And in a very appropriate, gentle way, we get to draw those things out and say, you know what, I, th- I don't think this is of God. I don't think this is the way that he wanted it to be. And I think Jesus is giving us that example um, that is really like a small group or somebody who's walking with you. And I have a couple people in this room right now that are those people that if they came alongside me and they said, I feel like this is a little bit off. I can hear that from them. They have earned that for sure. And so I think he's giving us a little picture of that. So you have this gift in your small group. So I just want to encourage you that if you're not attending um, your small group after this time to really seek that out. Because it's a really big part of our walk to have those people walking with us. Um, Let's keep going. Verse 25 through 30. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. So she's, she's not equating him to Jesus at all quite yet. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I feel like he's like, hello, I am the Messiah. (laughs) I added the hello. Um, Okay, we're going to keep going through 30. Just then his disciples came back And they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. So remember that part. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran to the village telling everyone, remember the people of the village don't even like her. So she's like connected, like he is him and I need to tell people. And the thing that really did it for her was the fact that he pointed out the truth about the way that she's living her life. And then it goes on to say, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So there had been talk that Jesus was coming. They didn't necessarily know, I don't believe, that he was going to be coming through their town because, you know, he is Jewish. Um, And so this whole encounter is very interesting because she shouldn't be trusted by any of these people. And she goes and she's like, he knew everything about me, come and listen to him. And so um, that's where we are right now. And so it was almost like the fact that Jesus pointed out her sin was the thing that really worked. I I kind of love that about that part of the story. It's so interesting to me. So she's running to the village and she gets the people and she's bringing them back. And I wanna go ahead and, and tell you the last point. Point four, your friends need to know of a God who wants to encounter them right where they are at. These people weren't necessarily her friends, but I think the message for us is that we get to have an encounter with God. And many of you already have a story of having an encounter with God, but it isn't for us just to keep inside. It's for us to tell. And I'm gonna jump down to verse 39 through 42. And I think this is my favorite part um, of this passage because it just kind of gets me excited. So let's read these last few verses. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. That's all they needed to hear. The fact that he told this woman everything she did, these villagers were like, that's enough for me. I'll come check this out. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. But verse 42 is my fave. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world we know that we are supposed to share of who Jesus is we're supposed to share of an encounter the encounter that we have had with Jesus and but God gets to have a part of that too he recognizes that in our obedience we're sharing of who he is but he's going to come right alongside that obedience so let's read 42 again Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. So it's what she said, but it's what they've also heard from Jesus. It's both of those things together. And I want to make sure that we get that. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. And so tonight, here's the challenge. We have a God that wants to encounter us right where we are at to walk with us in every area of our lives. Just like the woman at the well, there are things we have done that are regrettable, but they don't discount us from the love of Jesus and from the fact that he wants to have that special encounter. So I don't want that to ever keep us from moving forward. If there's a past sin, something that you've done that you're feeling shame for, remember in the beginning we talked about how when God encounters us, he does so with love and forgiveness, grace, and life. And that is the God we are talking about. So tonight I'm up here and I'm telling you this story. And some of you might be thinking, that's nice for her. That girl works at this church and her life is easy. And talking about an encounter with God is just a cakewalk for her. But I want to tell you when I was a little bit younger than you, I've, I've experienced some very, very hard things. When I was 12, my mom left and I lived in a divorced home. I lived with my dad actually and I know a lot of you can relate to that but I actually have a very, very broken relationship with my mom to this day and that follows me. I have a dad who battled cancer last year. I have a brother who has an ongoing disease that will never leave him. And so today, what I want to encourage you with is it isn't just a story of God encountering a woman who got excited about the message that he had to share. But I personally am desperate for this God. And my prayer for you is that you would also be desperate for a God that wants to encounter you and he wants to encounter your friends. And so tonight I keep saying this God that wants to encounter us, but I wanna make sure that we really understand who this God is. And so as you're sitting there right now, I'm going to just rattle off about 10 really quick verses about who God is. And you can sit there and take it in, you can close your eyes if that's what you wanna do. Um, But I'm gonna read these verses really, really fast. And then I have one closing thing and we're gonna pray. But listen closely. This is who the God I am talking about is. First Corinthians ten thirteen says that God is faithful. First John one five, God is light. Second Peter three nine, he is patient. Genesis one, one says that he created the heavens and the earth. Hebrews 4.12, his word is alive and active. Psalm 18.30 says his way is perfect. Psalm 50 verse six says he is a God of justice. Psalms 116.5 says full of compassion. Joshua 1.8 and 9 says he is with us wherever we go. 1 John 4.8 says that God is love. Exodus 34.6 says he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And Matthew 1 might be my favorite. God is with us. And I can get behind a God who walks with us, a God whose attributes are all of those things because it is written in this word. So my prayer tonight is for your generation. I love high schoolers. I love your generation. I think that God made you to do crazy, amazing things. And you're so young still. So don't be afraid to step forward. And don't be afraid to be desperate for that God who are all those things that I just mentioned. So let's pray tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much for this room, um, for Reckless. God, these students are your people, God. You want to do something so big in their lives. God, I pray that they would be desperate for an encounter with you, that they would take that next step, that they would wanna fill that inner void that they have inside with the things of you, Lord. And so I thank you so much for who you are, that you see us, that you see them right where they are. And so tonight in our small groups, I pray that our conversation is all about that. We thank you for what you're doing among this generation and we love you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.